This is a Voice in the Wilderness podcast channel. Today's topic is going to be, there is no such thing as Catholic guilt. But first a prayer. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, I amen. All that I am, all that I have, all that I do shall be consecrated to the service, honor, and glory, and exaltation of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the Sacred Heart of Jesus, and the Heavenly Kingdom. In Jesus' name I pray, and the Immaculate Heart of Mary, please pray for us. Sacred Heart of Jesus, please pray for us. Amen. So, I was talking with a friend of mine, and uh, he's, he's Sedvacantus, like me. And uh, like me, he, well, I, I would say his position is a little more extreme than mine was. Um, but... Uh, when I when I say this, I mean in regards to Catholicism, but you know it's his private issue, and I'm not you know I'm not going to portray that that trust. But he said something that I found curious. And by the way, um, to my buddy out there, if you do listen, trust me, this is not a criticism. I'm just going to expand on what we were talking about the last time we spoke. But he was, he used an expression that I have not heard. Well, let me tread carefully here. Everybody's heard the old cliche about Catholic guilt. Now, generally, even when I was a pagan, the only people who talked about Catholic guilt were former Catholics and um, basically seculars. Um, and I consider <laughs> I, I consider Protestants no better than seculars, honestly. But. Those were the only persons I'd ever heard use that term. And the last time I'd heard, well, let me tread carefully again. The one, the last time that I remember, because like I said, Catholic guilt is a cliche. So I'm sure... After I entered into the Vatican II sect, that there were plenty of TV shows and crap that I watched that, that used the old cliche about Catholic guilt. And this just goes to show you about the state of TV today that, you know, it's only been about 10 years and all over, I've already forgotten about it. But anyway, um, I was living in a boarding house at the time and, uh, One of the guys in my boarding house, um, nice guy, but um, he he was a boomer, and 
I got to know him well enough to know that he was a flower child in the late 60s. And I'm not one to pry, but apparently he never left the mindset, the flower child mindset of the 60s. Now, obviously the, you know, the the drug taking, I I never saw him do that, but um, he... He, he, whenever he could get drunk, he got drunk. And because, because of my own spiritual sake, uh, state, not sake, state, oh, I was really excited to be a Catholic, but at the same time, um, I was still indulging of my old sins, and one of my old sins happened to be getting drunk. And <laughs> this is this this is when uh, some of my own cognitive dissonance. So you you uh, regular listeners out there who hear me rant and rail about cognitive dissonance, this this is, you know, I, I've been guilty of that as well. And I'm going to explain what my cognitive dissonance was. So, I, I knew that alcohol was an issue. Now, I didn't want to slow down on my alcohol because of moral considerations. I wanted to slow down on alcohol because um, I knew implicitly that whenever I did something stupid, and when I say stupid, I mean outrageously stupid, alcohol was usually involved. So I... uh, when I when I was going through the RCA class, I decided that if I was going to drink, I had um I had found out when I was in RCA I'd had Trappistale before. I never looked into it beyond that. You know, to me it was just a brand name, Trappistale, and I really liked Trappistale. But when I found out that Trappistale was actually brewed by Catholic monks. And if I'm not mistaken, I think it's one of the oldest beers out there. You know, in my enthusiasm, I'm like, okay. Now, to the uninitiated. Trappistale, and I'm just going to say this much. Trappistale pretty much... um, Depending on the brand, obviously, but Trappistale, um, the the lowest the lowest uh, alcohol percentage of a Trappistale that I've ever run into has been eight percent, and there are Trappistales that are made commercially that are not made by monks that are a lower percentage. 
But the ones that are made by Trappist monks, the lowest that I've run into from an actual Trappist ale is 8%. It comes in a literal... Um, everybody's seen how big a wine bottle is. It literally comes in the size of a wine bottle. And... Um, the, the lowest price, and we're talking the early 2000s, was third, well, $14 with tax for the 8% bottle. And then if you wanted the 10% or the 12%, the price went up. So I figured, well, this is perfect. Uh, it's 8% alcohol. I could get one or two of these bottles. That's it's equivalent of like four beers. And I'm good. Like I said, cognitive dissonance. Because anybody who... I don't consider myself an alcoholic, and for very good reason, but everybody who drinks or is a heavy drinker knows that if you get to a certain level of tipsiness, then you throw your good intentions out the window and you get drunk. Despite the fact that, oh, I want to, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have three or four beers and I'm good. To those people who are heavy drinkers, that, well, let me, let me back up and say, in, in my case, in my case, there's a reason why I no longer drink recreationally. And that is because I, I can't limit myself. I mean... I have in the past, but those tend to be few and far between. Anyhow, that's that's what would happen. As I'd get a couple beer Trappist ales for myself, and I'd buy the 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 uh, the boomer. Uh, well, that's being disrespectful. My neighbor, I would buy him a Trappist ale, and. As I said in an earlier episode, um, I was solitary, but occasionally I would need to visit with my neighbors. So I'd grab a couple of the Trappist sales and bring him one, and we'd just shoot the breeze. And when he found out that I was joining the uh, Vatican II sect, which to the uninitiated is the Catholic Church, um, he, he literally, I mean, this guy was laid back. I mean, real laid back. I could tell him, hey, so-and-so, the kitchen's on fire. And he, calm down, calm down. It'll be cool. But you, every time that I mentioned something about the Catholic church, you would have thought I was literally talking about Satan incarnate. Because he would, he would literally, for my long-term listeners, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. He literally sounded like me when I talk about the heirs and heresies of the Vatican II Church. But in his case, the guy, the guy was a lapsed Catholic. He was a lapsed Catholic. He, he didn't care, but... It was like waving a red flag at a bowl. And so 
because I'm an upfront person to begin with, you know, if I got drunk, you know, I'd be like, man, I got drunk the last time I hung out with you, man. We, I got to stop getting drunk. He'd say, oh, that's the Catholic guilt. He'd actually make a joke with me. Oh, you're going to be a good Catholic. You got the Catholic guilt down pat. Now, as I said before, the only two types of people that I've ever heard mention the term, or the cliche, rather, Catholic guilt, are lapsed Catholics or uh, former Catholics and, you know, Total seculars. Like I said, I include Protestants in that too. And so when my friend, who's a set of accountists, mentioned Catholic guilt, I just, it, it brought back a flood of memories. And I, I'm not going to lie, I was rather uh, surprised. Not shocked or dismayed, just rather surprised because this guy is a literal Catholic using, and when I say literal Catholic, not only does he adhere to the dogma and the doctrine of the pre-Vatican II church, he actually tries to live it. So to hear him use that term, I was like, well, uh, as Ned Flanders would say, that's a head-scratcher, homie. I don't know. But it inspired me to use this as a topic. Now, there are, there are a lot of aspects to the cliché um, Catholic guilt. Now, I've already covered... The aspect of the people that I've heard using it, and I'm only speaking from my experience because that's all I can do, use this term, are uh, former Catholics and um, seculars. So already, when, when I hear those guys say it, <laughs> I dismiss it out of hand. If it's coming from those two sources, because... What does the secular know about true Catholicism? What does a former Vatican II sect member know about true Catholicism? They're, 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 they're literally speaking out of ignorance. So, you know, when I hear that, I dismiss it out of hand automatically. But the for those of you who are actually said of a contest and use the term Catholic guilt, I would like, I, I want to give you, or I'd like to give you my thoughts on why Cat, there is no such thing as Catholic guilt is literally a cliche. And for those of you who say, well, cliche has element of truth in it. Um, in some cases, yes, that may be true. What I'm saying is the cliche of Catholic guilt is literally not true. 
if you understand where I'm coming from on this. Now, what people call Catholic guilt is literally people who are actually serious about their Catholicism. In other words, they literally take their Catholicism seriously. Now, if you take your Catholicism seriously and you do a mortal sin, I should hope for the sake of your soul that you would feel guilty. And by the way, what they call guilt is not guilt. It's your conscience. It's literally your conscience. Which, by the way, if you uh, read the dogma and doctrine of the Catholic Church, will know that your conscience is literally the part of you, the literally the part of your soul that's trying to unite its will with God's will. And so when your conscience is telling you, hey, you screwed up, fix it, that's not guilt. That's your conscience telling you you did wrong. And once again, oh, thank you, Lord Jesus, Mother Mary. The reason I'm mentioning this is, is because in every and by the way, you don't have to take my word for it. If you go to the Set of Contest uh, uh, YouTube channel, um, Catholic Media on YouTube, where the Set of Contest priests are giving sermons, they will tell you that you need a well-formed conscience in order to make proper decisions. And anyone who's even vaguely familiar with Catholic theology knows that, number one, that is an actual dogma and doctrine, but number two, it's literally God's truth that you need a well-formed conscience. Because as I never get tired of saying, people who are ignorant of God's truth do things that they have no business doing out of ignorance. And as I just got done saying in an earlier podcast, ignorance, if you truly do something out of ignorance that's sinful, now, uh, you're not... You're not, um, your punishment is still hell. Um, one of the things, and by the way, this is just my theory once again, I'm not claiming to be infallible, but in Dante's Inferno, there are seven levels of hell, and the seven levels, um, are the, uh, seven corresponding, um, the, the first level is the lightest punishment and the seventh level is literally the center of hell where the worst of the worst go. I personally 
like I said, this is just my idea. You take it for what it's worth. Agree with that conception. Because those who are familiar with Catholic theology knows that the seven deadly sins are, um, what's the word I'm looking for? The, um, they're your catch-alls like pride, anger, sloth, envy, lust. Those are your catch-alls. But within those particular sins, you have categories within those sins of not just, um, let me, please, Mother Mary and Lord Jesus, help me. Um, you, you have different categories within like pride, lust, envy, um, greed, what have you, anger, but with, uh, you, you have categories within those, those outlines, but within the categories, there are degrees within the mortal sin itself. Now, anybody who, you autists out there, I'm talking about the set of contest autists, who, who want to challenge me on that, I, highly urge you to go on to the YouTube channel of the um, Brooksville Seminary. I forget. I think it, um, most, most Holy Family um, Seminary, their YouTube channel, where they literally tape their lectures and listen to Bishop Sanborn when he is teaching his seminarians, future priests, about within, even within mortal sins, there are gradations within the mortal sin. Okay. So... I, and, and I know human beings being human beings, the autists are still going to spurg out and tell me I'm some sort of heretic and innovator um, for having this theory. Which, last time I checked, layman having a theory, as long as it wasn't heretical, is not against the rules, but... You try telling a certain segment a set of a contest that and see where it gets you. Anyhow, but um within within the mortal sins, depending on the severity of the mortal sin according to Dante's Inferno, was the level of hell you got sent to. And I'm probably... I think I'm messing up a little bit. Because I think, depending on the seal of... Within the Deadly Sins, I think he did rank the, the uh, Deadly Sins in terms of... Uh, um, theological seriousness. If I'm remembering the 
the Inferno correctly. I think he did. So I might have misspoke earlier. But at regardless, regardless, there, there are seven levels with the center being the worst of the worst with the devil himself. And the reason I'm bringing this up is is that you need, even if you're ignorant of, of Catholic theology, if you commit a mortal sin and die in that mortal sin unconfessed, even if you're ignorant of it, my understanding of Catholic theology is you're going to go to hell. However, if my, my theory is correct, I don't think a person who commits a mortal sin out of ignorance is going to be punished as hard as a per a person who commits a mortal sin purposely. That is my understanding of it. No, of the, the, the theology and dogma. That's why I gave my earlier podcast saying or episode. I'm sorry. That ignorance is no excuse. Now, got to remember, nobody wants to go to hell. So even if you go, if you're punished in a lesser part of hell, it's still hell. Okay? <laughs> you don't want to be there. The first level of hell is still hell. <laughs> but... You have to have a well-formed conscience. So when I say there's no such thing as Catholic guilt, there is no such thing as Catholic guilt. What, 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 the, what the fallen away Catholics and what the seculars are saying is that you feel guilty because um, you're allowing the teachings to it, the, the teachings themselves are making you feel guilty, and I would argue to my dying breath that this is this is ignorance because, like I said, for for my autistic three hundred IQ takers out there. That in every good Catholic um, book on theology and dogma, they will tell you, you need a well-formed conscience to be a good Catholic. And without a well-formed conscience, you're literally putting your soul at stake. So, um... And once again, what they call guilt is actually your soul that wants to be the part of your soul that wants to be united with God telling you, you need to fix this. You need to make it right with God. And that's another thing about guilt too. That if you love God, you don't need to be guilted about feeling bad that you committed a mortal sin. I mean, 
<laughs> to some people, that may seem counterintuitive. To me, it's common reason or common sense, as we say in America, that if you love God and his blessed mother in the heavenly kingdom, if you commit a blatant mortal sin, you should feel bad. As a matter of fact, um, I've, I've heard some set of Akantis priests and prelates say that when you commit a mortal sin and you're blasé, eh, whatever, that that's a pretty good indicator that you're a in a reprobate mind, meaning that mortal sin has such a hold on you that you're no that you no longer can feel contrition or sorrow for having hurt the Lord Jesus and his blessed mother in such a blatant fashion. And I've heard it said, and this is just a this is just an expression that um basically when you feel guilt, the guilt is that you're worried you'll get caught. I've I've heard that expression that when you feel guilt, you're just worried that you're gonna get caught. And that um, you know, if, if, if you, if you're worried that you're going to get caught and you do get caught, the sorrow you feel is not that you feel bad about what you did, but you feel bad that you got caught doing it. <laughs> and trust me, uh, I, I can speak from personal experience that I'm not going to say in every case, but at least in my case, that's always been the point. That I never felt, I never felt bad about what I did. I just felt bad that I got caught. Um, and it, it pains me that I should even need to make this point, especially to people who consider themselves Catholic. That if you're worried about being caught in regards to keeping God's law, pre-Vatican II Catholicism, that in and of itself is an indicator that you're ignorant because, hello, God, creator of time, space, everything in existence. There's nothing you can do that he doesn't know about. That he didn't know at the beginning of creation that you weren't going to do to start out with. Okay? And the same thing goes with your thoughts. Why do you think in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, and for those of you who are ignorant, and you shouldn't be, that is true. Uh, the Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapters 5 through 7, where <coughs> in particular, Jesus says, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, meaning 
you look at a woman and you're like, man, I'd like to bang her, that you've already committed adultery. Because once again, even having that thought is still going against God's law. And I'm not always successful, but one of my main, what I try to make an operating principle when it comes to my Catholicism is that God knows everything that I'm thinking, what I will be doing, you know, everything about me. I try to take that as my default position. Meaning that um, that you know he 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 all he you know um that I can't hide anything from him. You know I know it's kind of a cliche. Well, it is a cliche nowadays. I'm an open book, but to God, everybody is an open book. <laughs> everybody, so you can't hide. And he makes this quite clear throughout his Gospels. You know, he said to his disciples, what you say in a darkened room or in another person's ear will be shouted from the rooftops. And um, what you do in the dark will be brought to light. Now, Ignorant people will take that at surface level. Gospel is, like I said, there's many layers to gospel. Jesus wasn't just, you know, meaning that for his disciples. He meant for all of humankind. What you do in the dark will be brought to light. Now, I know I'm going to get some autists out there who say, well, what about the criminals who never got caught? Ah. Uh, Hello, we're talking about God. Those criminals who quote-unquote never got caught, they're going to have to answer to the ultimate authority who, if it's a mortal sin and they didn't confess to it, are going to hell. So yes, it's going to be brought to light. You know, meaning that the Masonic Satanists who have their... Their, 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 their super secret, you know, plans and plots and, and uh, organizations that think that they're getting away with literal murder. <laughs> the, these guys are going to be really surprised when they go before their judgment. I mean, really surprised. And... I don't need to judge their spiritual state. I don't need to judge their their intentions. The, the, the fact of the matter is, if they understood that nothing can be hidden from God, do you think that they would be part of a quote-unquote super-secret satanic organization? <clears throat> and I got a feeling... Once again, just a theory of mine that there are probably a segment within the satanic masons 
who think that they're on the winning side and they're not going to ever have to answer for their crimes against humanity. Now, I can understand some totally secular people who would think that out of ignorance, but um, all I got to say is to that segment of, of satanic masonry that thinks that they're on the winning side, I can say with full assurance Full assurance. I know how this is going to end. You lose. And when you lose, you're going to be shocked and dismayed in the utmost extreme. But you'll have all eternity in hell to repent at your leisure. But by the way, your will will be fixed, so you won't really be repenting you go back what I said earlier, you'll be PO'd that you got caught. Well, that and that you were really, really wrong. <laughs> really, really wrong. So, there is no such thing as Catholic guilt. What people call Catholic guilt is, is when you realize that you didn't do what you should have been doing. What they call Catholic guilt is the realization that you were not doing what you should have been doing, regardless. Like I said, you know, um, they are saying it out of ignorance, but... Like I said, ignorance is no excuse. You got to answer for it. And if you die and your will gets fixed and you're still in the sin, mortal sin, um, no do-overs, your will's fixed. And like I said, it doesn't, if, if Dante's Inferno is correct and there are very gradations of the levels of hell where the punishments increase, the, the worse you were in sin, hell is hell. <laughs> hell is hell. So, those are my thoughts on the cliche of Catholic guilt. So, if you're said of a contest and you you subscribe to the theory of Catholic guilt, I humbly beg and beseech you, rethink it. Rethink it. Because it's actually something that's, <coughs> excuse me, it's something that's actually meant to mislead you. It's something that's actually meant to mislead you. Like, you know, um, you feel bad for no reason or that you're blowing it up and you're making, as we say crudely in America, you're making a mountain out of a molehill. When it comes to sin and serving Lord Jesus and his blessed mother in all sincerity and um, zealousness, there is no such thing as, well, let me back up because I almost said something that was erroneous. 
There is such a thing as scrupulosity, which in the spiritual life is making, well, it's it's making too much out of a sin. Where scrupulosity is a sin is when you get the erroneous idea that you're so worried about sinning that you're worried you're more worried about going to hell than pleasing God. Now some people would say, boy, isn't that scrupulosity you're trying to please God? Well, no, because you're you're so worried that of sinning because you think that you're gonna go to hell that you're not even you're not even um, thinking about um, pleasing him. And, and, and what I mean by pleasing him is, is we have confession for a reason. And for those of you who say, well, you always talk about they're going to take away. You could still confess to God. My understanding of uh And by the way, when I say confessing to God, I'm not talking about the Protestant heresy. What I'm saying is my understanding of Catholic dogma and doctrine is, is that's why you do an examination of conscience every day. That's why you do an act of contrition every day. But you're supposed to do it not to supplant um, confession if it's available. So in other words, if, if you do have access to a set of a contest priest, when you get access, you take advantage of the sacraments. But if you are removed from the sacraments, God has put into place through his one true Catholic church means of making reparations to him. And by the way, that's a whole nother thing. And I don't want to Go down that particular well. What my bottom line is, um, scrupulosity is a sin. Okay, so um, once again, I, I apologize because I got. I kind of went off track, but basically, um, you you don't want you know you you don't want to think that um let me sometimes I get ahead of myself. Let let me bottom line this as simply as I can, which should be relatively easy because I'm a simple man. What they call guilt is your conscience telling you you screwed up and you need to make amends. Bottom line. So if you gave me 40 minutes of your time, thank you. I really appreciate it. I really do. And I don't care. I always say this. I don't care if you agree with me or not. If you gave me 40 minutes, thank you. I really appreciate it. I hope and pray that you get something out of this. I really do. 
And I, I care about everyone as best as a flawed, failed individual like myself can care. And I pray for everyone. And I'd like to see as many people get to heaven as possible. I mean, I consider what I do on my on my social media my own uh, pathetic pathetic attempt at trying to further that cause. So, thank you for listening. Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your time. Have a good day. God bless you. Bye-bye.